Welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast episode lucky number 13. Lucky how is everybody 13. doing today? Mikey, how What's are up, you Chris? today, my friend? Hey, man, doing all right, dude. Doing all right. After Excellent. a little hiatus, man, it's good to have you back, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is a wonderful Sunday morning here today, guys. We're jumping in. We're going to lead off with some NBA talk today. We've got a lot of good stuff, of course, a lot of things, as always, going on in the NBA, but Involving your Lakers and my Bucks as of late, we're going to touch on that. Of course, there was a big trade in the NFL with uh, Mr. Carson Wentz, who we had talked about in our previous episode. He did get dealt. We will touch on that. And of course, you know, some interesting comments from Russell Wilson, what's going on up in Seattle. We will touch on that as well. But let's lead off with a little NBA talk today, Mikey. Yeah. I would... Uh, I, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'd like oh. to get your take. I know okay. we're we're going to start out talking about our two teams. And, you know, a little bit as of late, the Lakers dealing with some injury woes, the Bucks dealing with just some inconsistency, really, um, and a little bit of a, a, a slow string here. But um, what are your thoughts, Mikey, on, yeah. on my Bucks as of Dude, late? Dude, um, yeah, man. Uh, your, your Bucks sitting at third in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I, I think that with your Bucks, man, I think they're so play they're playoff tested it to the point where seating doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot I to them. Yeah. Um, especially with the way things are this season with not really any home court advantage. Yeah, exactly. With, with yeah. fans not being in there and stuff like right. that or limited fans. Um, I, I think the troubling thing for me though is, you know, you guys are on this skid and you know, you're putting up the second most points in the league, you know, your second in rebounding percentage, your top ten in assists, you know. You're, you're, you're playing well statistically. The problem is is that you're not getting wins, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you guys are riding, what, a five-game losing streak, right? Oh, uh, like, yeah. Or you won. And, Fortunately, um, we snapped it. We did yeah. beat the Thunder, but it was yeah. a five-game losing streak, and yeah. we did have a loss to the Thunder in there as well. So. Yeah, so, but, I mean, you know, it's it's troubling because, you know, Drew Holiday's been out of the lineup. He has been, yep. But, um, like we were talking about earlier, you know, Chris Middleton, in the game the other day, he had eight shots. Yep, eight. And how, how is it that you can have your second best player? I don't care if Drew Holiday is, is uh, uh, in the lineup or not. There's no excuse for your second best player yeah. to have only eight shots. That is, is not okay, um, especially given the fact that, in my opinion... As good as Giannis is, and he's your best player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's your, he is yeah, your best yeah, player. definitely. But he is not the scorer that Chris Middleton is. Yeah, that's Giannis true. doesn't yeah. get his points from all over the floor. No, Chris he, Middleton, he can hit him from three, he can get yeah. him from the mid-range, and he has the ability to get in the paint, get to the free-throw line, get layups, dunks, things of that nature. So if Chris Middleton is not getting the shots that he should be getting, and yes, he shot 7 of 18 in that win against the, against the Thunder, and that was only two shots less than what Giannis had. I'm sorry, man. Like, I, that's just not enough for me. He needs to step up. Yeah, he had 20 points in that game against the Thunder. He had eight boards, four assists. So he had a good game. But prior to that, wasn't playing particular great, particularly great. No. And I don't know. This seems to be something that is kind of a troubling trend with Chris Middleton. In, in, in seasons past, he tends to start off strong or start yeah. off slow. He comes on strong or then he slows down. It's one or the other. But consistency seems to be kind of an issue for this dude over the course of an entire season because he's in that conversation as one of the best players in the NBA when he's playing well. Yeah. But then when he's not playing well, the dude just kind of fades into the background, man. It's like that. That Homer Simpson meme where the Homer just fades into the bushes, dude, <laughs> yes. like, and he becomes non-existent. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, um, and and I think, you know, that's merited. It, especially you look at the playoffs the last couple years, and he's had some really good games, but he's also had some poor games. You know, three game stretches in the playoffs where he shot poorly and and didn't score, and you know, as you pointed out. He, he, the kind of scorer that he is, you know, we need him to be the 20-point-per-game guy. If he's the 14-point-per-game guy or last, like, it's we need him to be that Robin to Batman. We we really need that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking at his numbers this year. 20 points per game. He's shooting the ball pretty good, 50% from the field, 42.6 from three-point range. 
but like you said, consistency's been up and down. He started the year on fire. I mean, yeah. he was scoring a ton. Uh, and then this little skid, like you pointed out, only eight shots the other night in the loss uh, to the Thunder. That's mind-boggling. I mean, I'm looking at he's he's averaging 14.7 field goals per game, which would be about in the middle of his career. So on a year where, you know, we traded a lot of role guys away, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday's been out, I figured that number would be higher, especially yeah. with the way he started the year. So um, I think we, we need to continue to get him looks. I want to see him to just continue to shoot the ball. Even if you're struggling, good shooters just need to keep shooting because eventually you shoot yourself out of it. I mean, if you get enough open looks, you want you want your best players to Absolutely. keep shooting. Absolutely, yeah. uh, No doubt about it. So... Um, it, it's just, it's been so weird. You know, we had won four in a row. Seemed like we were starting to like figure some things out. Mm-hmm. Holiday goes out, but he was out during that win streak as well. So it's kind of like, okay, we're figuring some things out. We should be better when he comes back. Then we lose five in a row. Yeah. Finally get off and, and beat the thunder the other night. But uh, you know, Mikey, I, you know, just so up and down right now. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm waiting patiently for, for Drew Holiday to come back, but I think Middleton, as you just pointed out, is is definitely one of the key factors here. Yeah. Very much as great as Giannis is, but you kind of know Giannis is going to give you so much every night. He's going to score 20, 30, 35. He's going to get 10 to 20 rebounds pretty much every single night. That's what he does. But um, Middleton, if, if we're getting 25 a night out of him, it's going to be tough to beat us. But if he's struggling to shoot and score and we're only getting 12 points out of him, you're probably going to beat us. So... It seems very much like right now, the way the Bucks go is kind of the way that Chris Middleton goes. So I, I hope oh. we can free that dude up and and keep you know keep him shooting at a high clip like he has been. But hopefully the consistency can come um, because you made a good point, Mikey. And over the last couple of years, as good as they've been, he has been a little bit inconsistent. The difference we had more role players with with Hill, you know, George mm-hmm. Hill, and a mm-hmm. couple of the other uh, Malcolm Brogdon a couple of years prior to that. We had other guys that could kind of step up. And and when he was struggling and kind of take over, we you know we're still waiting for that. Divincenzo is young; he's he's took a step forward this year, but we still need his consistency as well. You know, yeah. he's still a young player developing. So, uh, but w- without some of those role players we had before, you know, Wesley Matthews we had last year. Yeah. That dude was able to take some of that as well. Could could sure. take on some of that right. three point shooting when when Chris struggled. So, uh, but. Ah, it's a long year. Hopefully, Drew Holiday comes back here soon, and and uh, it comes together a little bit more. But I don't know if they beat the Thunder. I hopefully that'll start a new winning streak. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's been very much up and down so far. So yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I mean, I'm looking at your stats on your roster because I mean, you have a lot of the same guys that came back from previous years. Yeah, you lost a couple of role players. I mean, like you said, you we did no, but the core is there. You're right. You know, the, the core, core is, is there. there. But like when you have your center and Brook Lopez playing 28 minutes in the in the win against the Thunder, but he only had eight shots. Right, yep, he only took yep. one three-point shot, but he only and he shot three of eight. So, assuming that some of those those other seven misses, right, or those other seven shots came in and around the paint, the fact that you only shot three for eight, not going to get the job done. You know, he only had this is your center now. He only had four. He had five total rebounds. I mean, Giannis had nineteen rebounds. Um, you know, and that's from your seven-foot center. You know, he had two two assists. This is Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. compared to eight assists for Giannis. Again, that's a center versus, you know, Giannis who has the ball in his hands consistently. But your center only had seven points, um, you know, in almost 30 minutes. You know, you talk about DiVincenzo. You know, this guy had eight shots as well. He shot two of eight. Um, you know, six rebounds, only one assist, and only five points in 30 minutes as a starter. Um, you know, DJ Augustine had eight, you know, he had eight shots. He shot 50%. So, I mean, there was consistency. There's eight, 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 six, yeah. eight, eight. But I mean, but then you look at it and DJ Augustine was the only one that shot a respectable percentage. Everybody else was 30 some odd percent or less. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you know, Bobby Portis, three for eight. Bryn Forbes, three for eight. Uh, Thanis, Thanis, I don't know. Giannis's brother. Yeah. Damn <laughs> yep. yes, that's what he's he going for. <laughs> he, yeah. One of two. I mean, yeah. you know, one of two in 14 minutes. I get it. Like, that was, you know, whatever whatever minutes those were, garbage time or otherwise. I mean, you only had two shot attempts. But like you said, there needs to be some consistency. So 38 shots of your total field goal attempts came from only two guys. And, you know, Giannis shot 50%. But you need more from those role players. I, mean, I you totally need, agree. You need... 
Eight shot attempts I'm cool with. What I'm not cool with is that those shot at, that your field goal percentages were less than 50%. Yeah. That's what I'm not okay with. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if I were a Bucks fan, that consistency is awesome, but like those shooting percentages are not awesome. I'm not okay. I'm not okay with that. And 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 just and especially in the minutes played. I mean, if guys that are shooting or playing over 30 minutes or over, you know, close to 30 minutes or more, you know, to me and kind of like what we'll get into with the Lakers, you need more from them. And if you're going to yeah, be a championship yeah. favorite, you have to have more from them consistently. I don't care yep. if you only take eight shots, but I want you to be making four, five, six of those eight shots. Yes. You know yep. what I mean? Like, I want them. And if you're missing some threes, okay, fine. But, you know, at the same time, you got to be hitting consistently across the board and you got to be finding other ways to win. Um, whether that's rebounding, whether that's, you know, steals, whether that's, you know, block shots or, you know, just good defense, you know, some of the hustle plays that don't show up on the stat sheet, you got to be finding ways to win if you're going to, and you know, that's something that the Lakers did last year. That's what you're seeing from teams like the 76ers this season. That's what you're seeing from teams like Phoenix, you know, some of these teams that are kind of Utah, um, you know, these are teams that are finding ways to get wins. And, you know, doing so in convincing fashion. And some teams that were favorites going in are currently struggling with those things. That's true. And, uh, you know, there's still plenty of time to right the ship. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and I I hate to say it, you know, but uh, this is where maybe, you know, again, I kind of call into question, you know, Budenholzer's ability to coach this team and yeah. be able to deal with adversity. Yeah, I, I I agree, and that's you know as, as Bucks fans, I think that chatter is starting to pick up a little bit as well. Um, you know, because honestly, you made the point. We lost a couple guys, yeah, but the core of this team is is still intact, and and yeah, without Drew Holiday, you know, we'll see what happens, but. Um, like you said, I mean, they should be playing better than what they have been. Um, and one guy that I I think really needs to step it up is Pat Connington. You know, we, we gave, we did give him some money this off season to keep him around Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more, but than, than what his value was, but you know, that's how it goes sometimes, but I'm looking and he's scoring six points a game and he's only making two field goals a game. We need a lot more out of yeah. him. He he gave us a lot more off the bench the last couple of years, and I would like to see him producing a little bit more. And the other thing is, you know, I mentioned a little bit with DiVincenzo, but um, his shooting has also been, and you touched on it going, you know, going through the stats as well, but he's only shooting 41% from the field. His three-point shooting, not bad at 39%, but mm. you have to shoot better from that on, yeah. on your two-point field goals. I mean, that's yeah. really bad. That's basically only what, 42% from two-point range? I mean, you gotta, yeah. you have to be better than that. So those two guys in particular, uh, hopefully, can pick it up a little bit more uh, for us going forward. But, um, yeah. And, and that's where your coach has to, you know, draw up some plays for these guys. Or Giannis I, has to get these guys going. I mean, I, you know. I totally agree. I, I totally agree. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And you're right. I feel like, you know, Booty's seat is starting to get a little warm, maybe, mm-hmm. right now. And, uh you know, we'll see. Maybe, you know, when Holiday comes back, they, they gel a little bit more and, and the wins start coming. But, um, look, every team is dealing with some adversity this year. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, you, you can't really rely on that as being an excuse for too long. For a couple games, maybe. But, um, you know, Brooklyn has guys out every night. Your Lakers, who are, we're, we're about to touch on, they're dealing with their own injury woes right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and probably a little bit more significant than, than, than the Bucks. you know. So... Uh, but yeah, I agree. We it, hopefully those guys can step it up a little bit, and then we can get just more consistent as a team right yeah. now. It's just so up and down. Um, we'll see what happens. But you're well, right. the good news is, in in terms of like playoff implications for your Bucks, you know, I mean, they're only three games behind the 76ers. The 76ers are playing good basketball. You know, I'm not saying I don't think necessarily they're going to finish in the number one seed in the right, Eastern yeah, Conference. Yeah. But, you know, the Bucks or, you know, the Celtics, rather, you know, they're 15 and 14. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of there's a lot of parody going there on is. in the Eastern yeah, Conference. You're right. And yep. it's not like the 76ers are clearly head and shoulders above no, the other teams. No, I think you said a couple games. That's right. It, I mean, so. the Nets are one and a half games back of the right. 76ers for the number one spot. So the Bucks, if they can rally off, if they can go on a – you know, if they could go eight and two over a ten game stretch, or seven and three even, or something like yeah. that. I mean, they'll be right back there, I mean, oh, and right. they're not yep. falling out. They're still top three, no, like I said yeah, at the top. Exactly. Yeah, they're not a team that I think necessarily needs to worry about having quote unquote home court advantage no, in no. the first round of the playoffs or throughout the playoffs. 
The problem is, is that, you know, during this adversity, again, it's just that whole nature of what's Budenholzer going to do during yeah. this adversity? How is he going to get guys like Connaughton, DiVincenzo? You know, how is he going to get these guys looks? You know, how is he going to get them going? Because you can't just sit there and be okay with those shooting percentages. You can't. And you no, have to, no. you know, you, you have to find ways to get these guys going. And, you know, they can't be hesitant. They have to be aggressive because if they're not aggressive, then that makes it that much harder for guys like Giannis and yeah. Middleton to to get good looks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, yes, you're, you're missing somebody like a Wes Matthews that yeah. spreads that floor a little bit more and stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, yeah, they're going to be okay. But, yes, they have some questions going into this yeah. adversity, you know, right now. And, and yeah, they'll have to figure it out for sure. Yeah. Um, much like the team we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yes. Which is, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, your Lakers. My Lakers, Mikey. who, you know, have been uh, dealing with their own set of issues. Yes, they um, have. You know, yeah. uh, Anthony Davis uh, has a calf strain that has now... Um, it originally was rumored to be a two to three week absence from from the lineup, and now, um, as of yesterday, day before, is turning into a four week absence. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we just lost to the Miami Heat. We lost to the Brooklyn Nets before that. Um, you know, we in the finals matchup, we only lost by two points. It was very much a grinded out game. It reminded me a lot of the finals last yeah. year. It was yep. not a high scoring affair. There was a lot of defense being played. Um, a lot of pretty solid defense being played. Um, but, you know, it, we did lose. We did lose to the Nets uh, without Ke- Kevin Durant. Uh, but I will say that, you know, having watched that game, Chris, you know, the Lakers got a lot of good open looks. It wasn't like Brooklyn was playing this lights-out defense to where, you know, they were just smothering us and getting all these rebounds and stuff. We had good looks, man. We had stuff that just didn't go down. And, you know, it is what it is. That's fine. We're going to play them again later on in the second half of the season whenever they schedule that. So, you know, I mean, we'll have a fully oppor- an opportunity to get one back. And we held them be- well below their average. They only scored 109 points. They're leading the league in scoring at 121.3 points a yeah, game. Yeah, well below. So yeah. we held them almost, you know, 12 points under what, 12 points under what their average is. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely did what we needed to do to win the game. We just didn't hit shots. And I mean, look, we were down by 24, 25 points in that game and we only lost by 11. So yeah, it right? was respectable. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely. a total blowout. It wasn't yeah. like this Nets team came in and it was like, oh, we're the big dogs now. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. That wasn't it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Lakers have some question marks going ahead, man. Like they have, how are we going to deal with AD's injury? Wes Matthews has been inserted in the lineup. We can't, we'd be remiss to say that, you know, the Lakers were also playing the last two games uh, without Dennis Schroeder. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he's yep. out because of COVID protocols. He Because of contact tracing, he came into contact with somebody that did pass po- test positive. So he's got to sit out. So we're missing two of our starters, which means Wes Matthews got inserted in the lineup and uh, Kyle Kuzma got inserted into the lineup. Yeah, Kuzma played has played well the last couple games. Kuzma's been playing consistent basketball for the most part this entire season. He's been rebounding the hell out of the basketball um, you know, and he's scoring, and he looks like the Kyle Kuzma from a few years ago. Yeah, a couple years yeah, ago. he does. Yep. And, you know, so I'm happy about that. What I'm not happy about as a Laker fan, Chris, is Wes Matthews needs more shot attempts, and yeah. he needs to score more. I agree. Um, he needs to find ways to put that ball in the hole. Yep. Besides just his defense. Yep. KCP, he needs more than, you know, a couple of shot attempts in a first half. He needs more, you know, he needs to get those open looks. We were talking about this before we hit record. You yeah. know, I mean, this was a dude that was in the league leaders in three-point percentage yeah. and three-point shots going into, you know, throughout the beginning of the season. Now he's fallen off. Yeah, I don't, he's, he's lost confidence off. in his yeah. shot. Yep. And he's passing up these wide-open looks that before You're he was right. taking and knocking down, Chris. Yeah. Now he's passing them up, which yeah. is making it harder for LeBron James to get these looks. And, and it's putting him in a spot where shot clock's running down. Yeah, and yeah. now he's got to make something out of he's nothing. Got to make something right. Yeah, and I mean, dude, like you need more from these guys. You need more totally from Markeith Morris. Yeah. You need more from Marcus All. Marcus All, yeah, Straight another up. one of the big pickups. This, you know, I mean, yes. in that in the game last night against Miami, he only shot two of six. Yeah, all three and point all, attempts. Right? All three point yeah. attempts. So I mean, lie. I get it. That's yeah. the NBA these days. But and and you know, Bam, 
uh, Kelly Olynyk. They're 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 young. They're athletic. You know what I mean? Like Marcus Saul down in the post. He's a little bit slow. He's prodding. He's not necessarily quick. He's not a guy you throw lobs to like Javale McGee yeah, right. or Dwight yeah. Howard were last of course. year. Sure, sure. So I mean that three point shooting is what kind of brought him in for. The problem is is that he didn't have very many assists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple block shots. And he played well on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, you weren't running things through him. You weren't cutting off of him. You weren't doing things that perhaps would have given you some more offensive options. Um, you know, and look, straight up, like Wesley Matthews has the ability to get to the cup. KCP has the ability to get to the cup. Don't be settling necessarily for these three-point shots. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to find ways to put that ball in the hole. And, you know, same thing with, you know, uh, uh, Caruso. You know, yeah. you, you've got to find ways to get these the ball in the hole, and you can't just rely on LeBron to do it. Yeah, um, right, exactly. You know, and I think these are this is the time. We didn't have this last year, so we're kind of doing this, you know, on the fly. Right. But this is where you miss a Rondo, right? Yeah, this is you're where right. You miss Absolutely. Perhaps a Danny Green to some degree. I would agree. This is where I think you do miss a Dwight Howard and or, you know, a JaVale McGee. Um, you know, Montrezl Harrell played well last night. He had a double-double, 18-10. and 10. Um, He's doing his part. Kyle Kuzma's doing his part. LeBron's doing his part. But Absolutely. But Chris, you know, man, I, I don't know, dude. It's just, it's a little little rough, dude, right now in Lakerland. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, and I, you made great points about the role players, similar to kind of, you know, what the Bucks are going through a little bit with guys struggling a little bit, not hitting their shots. Um, you know, KCP is an interesting one because that guy – Looked fantastic in the playoffs last year coming off the bench for yeah. you guys. And, I mean, he, he was getting 9, 10, 11 points in 15 minutes, 16, 17 minutes a game and a big boost. And now we were, t- like we talked about before we got on, he plays 35 minutes and only shoots the ball five times the other night. Yeah. And, and like you said, he's kind of passing up some open shots sometimes, stuff that he was taking at the beginning of the season, the end of last year. So, um and then I think, and I don't know, maybe this just gets overplayed a little bit, but I want to ask you as a Laker fan, sure. do you start to get a little bit at this point of, you know, look, LeBron is a phenomenal athlete, but mm-hmm. he's about 85 years old in NBA minutes age at this point in time with, yeah. with how much he's played over the last 20 years. Do you get to the point where you kind of go, is this a little bit too much for LeBron? Are we having to lean on him too much early in the year? Or, you know, he, he's fine. He'll be there kind of thing. Is that is that like an actual, you know, kind of, not worry, but, you know, something that's kind of creeping in a little bit? Like I, this over-reliance yeah. on LeBron? Or... Yeah. I mean, you know, on one hand, it yes, absolutely. The, the short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant was a workhorse, yeah. you know, for the <laughs> yeah. vast majority of his career. Yeah. And then he busted his Achilles. Yeah, yeah. Now, whether or not, you know, you could chalk that up to he's playing too much or, you know, whatever. I don't know what he was averaging minutes-wise. But, yeah. you know, LeBron James has been defying father time for seemingly the last decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Been, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he, he spends a lot of money. It's well-documented how much money he spends right. on his body and yep. taking care of himself yep. and all that kind of stuff. And... You know, it's really hard to say that, you know, in year 18 and right now arguably the MVP favorite. Yeah, um, I You know, agree. it's really hard to argue against LeBron James. Oh, and totally. it's really, he goes in and seemingly every year proves that why he's still arguably the best player on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he still defies that age, uh, right? Absolutely. But yes, and you know, I, I saw something last night on the telecast, I think it was, or maybe it was during the Brooklyn game, but you know, earlier on in the season, and a lot of it had to do with blowouts, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can load manage. We talked about this earlier on, you know, in we, recording this right, podcast. Yes, yeah. You get, you get load management by blowing teams out and not having to play a fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? right, yeah. So when yeah. we were blowing teams out, I mean, he was averaging right around 30 minutes a game. Perfect, yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's 20 minutes right there that he's not playing. Yeah. However, over the last month or so, you know, his minutes are now skyrocketing. Yeah. And he's averaging 37, 38 minutes a game. Yeah. And, you know, and again, he's at, being asked to do a lot. And, yeah. you know, yes, when you yes. have... When you have these starters, when you have Wes Matthews and KCP in the starting lineup, they need to shoot the basketball. Marcus Saul needs to be more aggressive offensively. He totally needs to agree. look for his look. Totally agree, you know, he man. needs to look yep. for his shot. He needs to be aggressive with it. He can't be passing up these wide open three pointers like he has been. He can't do that. Yep. Again, Kyle Kuzma is doing what he needs to do. 
but these other Lakers, they need to do more. Totally. Um, you know, if Schroeder was in there, I mean, I think Schroeder would be a huge boon for us because he is an aggressive offensive player, yeah, regardless of whether yeah. his shot's falling right. or not. Yep. He yep. does have that ability to get to the basket and make some things happen. But yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of troubling. I mean, Talon Horton Tucker's kind of hit a little bit of a wall. He didn't play particularly great last night against yeah, Miami. He slowed down a little um, bit. You know, and I think he slowed down too because now teams have film to watch on him. Yeah, true, and, and, right. and they yeah, know what he good can point. do. They know he likes to get to the basket and he gets these kind of herky-jerky moves. And, you know, despite his wings, his seven-foot wingspan or whatever it is, you know, he he's not the most athletic guy, right? Right, so right. So it's easier now that there's film on him, it's easier to kind of slow that dude down. Sure, so sure. he has to find other ways. And he wasn't really looking for his three-point shot. They were running him off the three-point line last night and forcing him into a crowd in the paint. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't finishing like we've been accustomed to seeing from him. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that kind of segues very nicely into, yes, you know, yes. the next route. And that is what do the Lakers do? Because now the Lakers, unlike right, the Bucks, yeah. they've been involved in some conversations or in yes, some chatter yes. going around the league in terms of players that might be able to help them. Um, most notably probably is, um, you know, two, two names actually. Sure. One of them um, is the Blake Griffin situation yeah. in yeah, Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's going to happen with that? Is he going to get bought out? Is he going to get waived? Um, you know, apparently the chatter is, is that Detroit's looking at him for a trade. But all accounts by any NBA executive that are all nameless, of course, um, is that the dude's, he's not tradable. That's the way it seems. He's not tradable right now. It's funny. The only the only scenario that I've come across that even people are willing to float out there right now is to the Thunder, which I get it. He's from Oklahoma, so he'd be returning home. But it'd be a trade between two lottery teams before the deadline, which you don't see too right. much for a, for a player with a large salary and all that kind of stuff. I I don't necessarily I, I think that would. I get it. You'd bring him home, but it's not like you're trying to pack an arena this year or anything. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't really see the the incentive for the Thunder to go ahead with that. I mean, just because you're going to bring a guy back to his home state, I think there needs to be more than that. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, about that, it's not like that was his first franchise, right? It's not like he's coming home or anything like that. And and then on top of that, you're not playing Trevor Ariza, who's another name that's been floated out there to go to the Lakers. So you clearly don't need or want veterans. You're you're going in on Dort. You're going in on Shai Gildress Alexander. You're going in on all these young players in OKC. You traded away Chris Paul with the intention of going younger and right. building up. Yeah. So why would you go and trade for a Blake Griffin? Exact opposite but look, of your I philosophy. Mean, you yep. know, Blake Griffin is the kind of guy that at this point in his career, he is very much a role player. He's very I much agree with you, a, he's yeah. a bench player that as a spot starter, much like Carmelo Anthony, until he, Melo accepted his role as a bench player, that's the same way. Blake Griffin's done a remarkable, remarkable job working on his three-point shot. When he came sure. out of Oklahoma, yeah. He was this freak of nature athlete that was jumping over cars and dunk contests yes, and doing all these yes, kinds of things, yeah. right? Getting all these lob, lob city yep. and Clipperland and all that kind of yep. stuff. But now he's become more of a modern, you know, power forward, small forward, you know, small, small ball center, yeah. you know, that can shoot the three ball. He still has some ups, but he's more or less a three point shooter at this point. And, you know, here's a guy that I think if. He got bought out or waived by the the Detroit Pistons. I think he's a guy that the Lakers give a serious look to. He could come in and start in Anthony Davis's place. Uh, you know, defensively, yeah, you maybe lose a little bit, but you know what? I think, you know, I think Frank Vogel's a good enough coach that we could make that work. We've got good perimeter defenders, um, and I think that in a team concept, Blake Griffin would do an admirable job, or yeah. you know, at the very least, an adequate job. Um, but his three, his shooting, you have to respect him offensively. So unlike what the Lakers are tro- you know rolling out there right now, Blake Griffin would be able to help. And then when AD comes back, Blake goes back to the bench. He bolsters that bench. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. you know I think him and Montrez Harrell would be able to play well off of each other. Um, and you know I think that that would be a good look. Um, you know the other guy that the Los Angeles Lakers are looking at potentially, and from what I've read this morning. You know, the Lakers are pretty active right now in terms of make, trying to see something happen. And I think yeah. that was 
That's motivated in large part due to Anthony Davis' prognosis of four weeks of being out. Because yep. right now, we're with our loss last night against Miami, we are now sitting in third in the Western Conference. Yes. When we had been the number one team for right. the vast majority of yes. the season. Yes. yes. Utah Jazz are playing out of their skulls. They're twenty four and six. They went on a nine game winning streak before the Lakers or the Clippers, rather. You know, finally stopped that um, winning streak. So I mean, what they've won like twenty out of twenty two games, something absolutely something, absurd. Yeah, you're right. It's something um, crazy like that at this point. You know, yeah. whether or not that's sustainable or not <laughs> remains right? to be seen. But you know, the Lakers are falling back, and you know, the last thing you want, unlike your Bucks in an Eastern Conference, the Lakers don't. And I don't think can afford to lose much ground I in the agree. Western Conference. I agree, a hundred percent. Pretty much it's a bloodbath. Yeah, it's a it, bloodbath it right really now. Is. Yep. You've got yep. the three top three teams are under ten losses. You got six losses for the Jazz, nine losses for the Clips, and nine losses for the Lakers. Lakers and Clippers actually have the same record. The problem is, is the Clippers have beaten us, which gives them the tiebreaker. Blah blah blah. So, but the Suns are right there. Suns are nineteen and ten. Yeah. You know the Portland Trailblazers, thanks to you know Dame time. They're sitting at 18 and 11. They yeah, are coming they're, they're on coming strong. On too, all Hell, of a even the Spurs yeah. are sitting yep. at 16 and 11. Yeah. Now, I don't think the Spurs can catch up to the top four teams in the Western Conference. I don't think so either. But, but the it, Blazers certainly could. Right. But right. another name being floated out there for the Lakers is P.J. Tucker. You know, Houston. Okay, sure. You know, yeah. they're parting ways with DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, which is interesting. And I think the Lakers will give DeMarcus Cousins another I look. I think so too. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I think that P.J. Tucker... Six foot seven, six six, whatever he is, but he shoots that corner three at a ridiculously high clip. LeBron would be able to, just like James Harden was able to do with him in Houston. James, LeBron James would be able to do the exact same thing. With the I Lakers. agree. I, that would He's be a tough, fantastic fit for you, you know. Guys. And I think that in limited minutes, because he would come in for AD, he would go to the bench. Obviously, yeah. in, in in this scenario, if we don't go after Blake Griffin and we get PJ Tucker, you know, he obviously slides into that starting role. I would assume. Um, and, and then Kyle Kuzma goes back to the bench most likely, unless they go with Wes Matthews back to the bench and then Kyle Kuzma starting. But, you know, P.J. Tucker would bring defense off that bench, some hard-nosed defense that I think that the Lakers currently don't quite have. Um, but I think that he would kind of shore that up. You know, whether or not that actually happens or comes to fruition remains to be seen. But I think that the Lakers have options. I appreciate that the Lakers are looking at making a move that they're not trying to say, hey, look, yeah. we're okay. Yeah. We'll wait yeah. till ID gets back. Because, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of games a in month a month. is a long time, man. That's it's a, a lot long of time. games, yeah. bro. And especially, as you pointed out, in the Western Conference, it's such a beast right now. And even when you look down at the standings, the team that's in 14th right now, if, I, if I'm correct, is only like two, two and a half games behind Dallas for that for that play-in spot to yeah. for that play-in tournament. So virtually everybody in the West, except for the Timberwolves, is really still in play to get in the yes. postseason right now. Correct. I so I agree with you. It's a month without AD, and we've saw the last couple games kind of you know okay this might be what it might be like with him out for a while. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out, Schrader you know not being available as well. I like it as well. I think they do need to 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 make some kind of a move. I love P.J. Tucker. I like that fit. I, I just yeah. offensively, I think he could come right in. And you made all the points, but uh, being able to shoot that corner three, spread things, open things back up, I think that would help KCP a lot. It would yeah. help Wes Matthews, help these guys start to hit some shots. Marcus Gasol doesn't have to camp out at the three-point line. He can hopefully be a little bit more aggressive inside. We get it. We know he's older now. He's limited, but still... I mean, this is a—he's an old crafty veteran. Like he—he yeah. he still can make make some buckets around around the hoop, you know. Yep. Um, so, I like that. And uh, not not to dwell on Blake Griffin, but I just wanted to kind of back up your point. Yep. At this point, Blake is very much a bench role player. He's not that superstar guy anymore. He's only 12, 15 points per game in the last couple of years. I get it. Detroit's been terrible, so you can kind of key on him. And you know, on a team where he was on a contender. Maybe the numbers are a little better because he doesn't have to be, you know, quite everything. But um, yeah, at this point in his in in his career and where the NBA is at, and like you've said, he's he's worked on improving his shot, but he's not there yet to be an elite player anymore in today's NBA. Very good role player, a guy that's been around for a while, like mm -hmm. you said, can come in. And I, in in the Lakers situation again, I think would fit very nicely for you guys. Yeah. 
Uh, but you made a good point. Like, the Trailblazers are coming on. That's a team I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about that they're going to try to go after Blake Griffin if they can make it happen as well. So, um, certainly, I agree. I think the Lakers need to, to make some kind of a move to kind of, you know, just keep up, keep where you are. You know, obviously, I think you want to be in the top four for sure in the West and don't want to fall, you know, too much uh, behind. Like you said, with, with the other teams starting to kind of pick it up a little bit, San Antonio sitting there all of a sudden at uh, 16 and 11 or whatever they're at, but kind of in the mix too. And I agree. I don't think they're necessarily going to make a big jump, but um, great coach, great coach. Yeah. I mean, teams that are well coached, you know, they, they always can, uh, you know, find surprises as well. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, very uh, interesting stuff going on, on out there. But we will definitely keep our eye on, uh, you know, where Mr. Blake Griffin ends up going. Absolutely. And, you know, some moves. Uh, with your with your Lakers for sure. So, uh, Mikey, what else you have for us for NBA talk today, my friend? You know, um, the only other uh, couple things that I wanted to uh, perhaps touch on. It, you know, you've got, you know, Utah. I, I really, I'm still kind of reserved. There's a big matchup coming up here in the next week um, with the Utah Jazz and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, Dennis Schroeder is supposed to be out for that game as well, which is unfortunate. You know, that's going to be a pretty big test for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, especially. I mean, no AD, so we have a built-in excuse if we lose the game, which I don't like to use because, I mean, we're the NBA champs, and, you know, we have to find ways to win. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, and I think that would be a game that the Lakers would come and get up for. Um, I certainly LeBron James would get up for, and I hope the rest of the team is able to follow suit. Um, you know, but, you know, they had, I mean, you know, they've been on this ridiculous tear. Like I said earlier, you know, the Clippers stopped their nine-game winning streak. Um but I think more importantly, um, it's really good to see a, another former ex, you know, Laker uh, in Jordan Clarkson getting yeah. the praise that that man is. Yeah. I, mean, I think that he probably deserves an all-star nod as a, as a coach's selection. Um, and he's also arguably right now the favorite to win six man of the year. I mean, he's averaging like 18, 19 points a game off the bench, whatever it is. But I mean, he's yeah, helping he's, them win basketball games. He and, really is. Yeah. You know, he, he's really kind of embraced that role as a bench player. I mean, he kind of did that, too, when he was with, um, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers a few years ago. Um, you know, and he really took that role to heart, too, after being playing with Lou Williams for, yeah. for a season in L.A. So, you know, I, I think that he's playing ridiculously well. And he was I've always been a fan of him. I, I was a fan of his when he came into the Lakers and really kind of that back half of that one season, you know, when he started when he started. And he was playing, or even coming off the bench, he was playing really well. And it was like, who is this guy? Like, he's just, you know, whatever. And, you know, to see him kind of carving a niche for himself and, and playing as well as he is, it's really good to see. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I yeah, mean, dude. I mean, he 40 the other night against yeah. the 76ers. Off the bench. Uh, off the yeah. bench on 8 of 13 from three-point range, 13 of 20 from the field. Yeah, dude. I Good point, right? Yeah. I mean, Clarkson... Really coming on this and that's what a big I think, part of their success. Absolutely, and yeah. I think that's what makes the Utah Jazz as scary as they are. I mean, yeah. you, know, you had Rudy, yeah. Rudy Gobert. It might have been in that game or the game prior to that or whatever. I mean, or he had – or maybe maybe it was against the Clips. Um, you know, he had 20-20. Yeah, 20-20 game. You know, and Donovan you've got Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. I mean, Donovan Phenomenal. Mitchell, ever since that kind of little spat with uh, Shaquille O'Neal – on inside the NBA, I mean that dude's kind of been on a you know tear too. Yeah. Mike Conley's been playing ridiculously yeah, well. Yeah, um, you know, so that team as a whole, the you know they kind of remind me of the Lakers last year a little bit. Their chemistry is off the charts. Yep. Um, you know they're playing excellent defense. They've got a great home record. They're thirteen and two at home. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're defending that home proverbial home court. Right. Right. Um, but I mean they're just they're they're playing really well, and I. They're going to peter off at some point. They're going to plateau at some point, I would imagine. I would agree, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that they're they're not going to lose very many games. I mean, they're going to no. lose a game, and they're probably going to rally off a couple wins, and I then they're going to lose yeah. a game, and then they're yeah. going to rally off. And so, I mean, they're, I don't think that they're a 500 basketball team. They're no, definitely no. above 500. I agree, definitely. Which is going to make things interesting for the rest of the league. Um, you know, the only other thing, the interesting thing of note is that currently the team with the longest current winning streak happens to be the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, how about that? Five games uh, in a five row in that a row they've now. won. They're yes. sitting at 19 and 12. Uh, you know, that, that Houston Rockets trade certainly looks to be, you know, favoring the Nets a little bit more so than the Rockets at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, to the point where even there's chatter about Victor Oladipo being traded away from Houston. Um, but yeah, man, like that's the only thing I got. I still don't trust their defense to to save. A no, life. I don't trust their defense um, either. Yeah, they're scoring at yeah. a high clip. Yeah. You know, they're outscoring teams, which is what they're going to do. But you know, come come playoff time, you know, I mean, what is this team going to do about defense and right, holding and right. slow teams down? And you know, they've got enough firepower to probably make it to an Eastern Conference fire, uh, final. But yeah, can they win? I I don't know. I'm still hesitant to say. I, I agree. Um, I'm not sold defensively. No, yeah, not, at not at all. Not offensively, at all. Offensively, it's great. It's fun to watch. But defensively, I'm not sure. And um, I mean. <laughs> As long as they don't have to play the Cavs, I guess they're okay. Surprisingly, yeah, right? the yeah, Cavs can't yeah, yeah. beat anybody else except yeah. the Nets. Kind of but, funny, man. but yeah. Uh, the Nets, could, the Cavaliers could use a Nets game coming up. I mean, they're yeah, they losers right. of nine and nine. nine so too bad the Nets aren't on their rate. Oh, you know, man. their schedule coming up. But yeah, right. uh, the only good. other thing, and the other thing too, I want to sure. point out is, you know, Bradley Beal got a start. He got he got voted into the All Star game, yep. so he's going to be an All Star oh, uh, despite uh, a very poor season from his team. Yeah, his team but I will terrible, say this: but... the Washington Wizards are sitting on a four game winning streak currently. Oh wow! I did they not are now ten that. and seventeen. Oh, um, okay. You know, yeah, they're they've been playing remotely well as of late. Remains to be seen where that gets them, or you know, for all you know, kind of like you were talking about your Bucks earlier. You know, they might be winners of four straight. Now they might, you know, lose six in a row. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. (laughs) But at the very least, it's good to see that Bradley Beal is getting some recognition. I think he would probably rather have a better record and be in the playoff Uh, hunt than an all-star selection. But, uh, you know, I I mean, good for the Washington Wizards. It's good to see them kind of sort of playing better basketball and and turning things around a little bit because that is currently – um, behind the Brooklyn Nets, that is actually the second best winning streak in the league right How now. How about that? Um, and it belongs to the Washington, the Washington Wizards. Wizards. So, uh, you know, I mean, watch out Miami. Watch out, uh, you know, because uh, there's only a game and a half back. And kind of like what you were talking about with yeah, the Western Conference. Yeah. You know, they're the Miami Heat are sitting at ten, a tenth, and they're in the play-in tournament at thirteen and seventeen. But the Wizards are right there at ten and seventeen. Yeah, a couple games. So game and a half you back, know, yeah. they're game and a half back. So if they could wow. continue that, you know, who knows what could happen? <laughs> so right. very, very just interesting. Saying. But that's all I got for for some basketball awesome. news awesome, at this brother. point in time, my man. Great. We'll take a quick segment break, and we'll come back, and we will talk about uh, you know that big trade Carson Wentz going to the Colts, and we'll touch on Mister Russell Wilson as well. We'll see y'all in just a few. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Balls and Beards uh, podcast, episode number 13. Thank you for joining us today. We just wrapped up a little bit of NBA chat. We're going to dive in. We're going to talk about the Carson Wentz trade from a couple days ago. We had touched on where he would go in our last episode. Uh, It did end up being the Colts, of course. Uh, The deal is uh, for a third-round pick in this year's draft and a second-round pick in the 2022 draft. That could become a first-round pick contingent on a couple of things, right? So if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps next season, that will become a first-round pick. Or if he plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs, that also will become a first-round pick. So, But kind of like what we talked about last week. Interesting contingency. Right, it is an interesting one. We, We felt like the Eagles were kind of, you know, booting this and screwed themselves out of a first-round pick. And they kind of did. It's not a guaranteed first-round pick. Um, And the Colts kind of control some of that. Yeah, yeah. They could be like, all right, well, we're... You know, we don't want to send you a first-round pick, so yeah. you're going to get 69 snaps. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? It, like you're going to get right? 74 snaps. Maybe they know? wrap up a playoff spot, and he's benched last week, and that's what does it. You know, Ooh. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting so to see. But, uh, you know, Wentz joins the Colts. The Colts were, of course, 11-5 and this last year, pretty solid. Jonathan Taylor ran the ball well for them. He actually ended up third in the league in rushing, believe it or not, as a rookie. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's going to be a free agent, which will be a little interesting, but they're pretty well set on along the offensive line at tight end with Jack Doyle there. Uh, their defensive front seven is pretty solid as well. And then the biggest factor maybe in this trade is now he's reunited with Frank Wright. Frank Wright is the head coach in uh, for the Colts. He was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles okay. from 2016 to 17. 
when, uh, of course, they won the Super Bowl and Wentz was having an MVP season until he ripped up his knee at the end of the year uh, out here playing the Rams. So he's reunited with him. So, you know, you got to think he's going to be set up for success in this situation, going to a team that has a lot more around him uh, versus what he was dealing with in Philly. Mikey, what are your thoughts on this trade? What do you think it does for the Colts? Uh, what do you think it does for Wentz? I mean, what what can we expect, if anything, out of out of him this coming season? Well, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, obviously those contingencies, the first thing that strikes me about those contingencies is that Philly's banking on Carson not being healthy. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. But that's what yep. that is. That's yep. straight up what that yep. is because they don't think that he's going to be able to have you know, what was it, 75 snaps? And, yeah. You know, that yep. kind of a thing. You're, you're, you're banking on this dude being hurt at some yep. point in time. Yep. Regardless of how good the offensive line is, regardless of any of those things, you're banking on this dude not being healthy. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a backhanded, you know, that's that's kind of like a, that's a definite slight towards this dude that, yeah. you know, yep. got all butt hurt because Jalen Hurts took his starting job yep. that he felt that he was owed. But looking at looking at you know his stats, I mean you know here's a guy that even in his his career he's only 35, 32, and one. Yep. Yep. He's he's only three games above five hundred. Yeah. You know his completion percentage is sixty two and a half, sixty two point seven percent for his career. Yeah. You know he's he's thrown for over almost seventeen thousand yards. His average is only about six point seven. But I mean you know he he's got one hundred and thirteen for his career, one hundred and thirteen TDs to fifty interceptions. Last year, you know, he, his record was three eight and one. Yeah, yeah. They really percentage struggled. under sixty percent. Yeah. He only threw for twenty six hundred yards, a six yard average, but he had sixteen touchdowns to fifteen interceptions. Fifteen picks. I mean, Let that's almost lead. a one for yeah. one ratio. Yep, yep. Like for every touchdown, you threw an interception. That's not good. No, it's not. Not yes. good at all. And I mean, you know, maybe there's some things with the with Philadelphia that maybe could have been done differently. That maybe the Colts can do better. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, if I'm the Colts, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this. I think I'd rather be more excited about Philip Rivers, you know, yeah, coming back I, than yeah. Carson Wentz I, coming in. Because, I, I, mean, I think this guy's valid. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't there until Fitz Magic came in that really kind of helped propel them, and that started the conversation between whether it was Wentz or Fitzpatrick's job. Right, false, false. Nick, Nick Foles, yeah. right? Yeah. Sorry. No, and then, you got it. And then you know, same kind of thing though. And, and then this last season with with um, Jalen Hurts, same kind of thing. Yep. Yep. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors when two years, you know, a few years in a row, you're you're being questioned as whether or not you're the starter. Yeah, that's never yeah. a good thing. No, not definitely never not. a good thing. No, no. So I think that you know, you're Philly. You got out from under this. You can commit to Jalen Hurts. You can move on. You can you can get rid of this. If you're the Colts, like you said, you were 11-5 this last year. You had a lot of good things going for you. And now, you know, with a veteran veteran in Phillip Rivers behind the, you know, back there taking snaps, and now you've got a guy that has never been, you know, he's not particularly a healthy dude. He, you know, he doesn't play, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to see here. Yeah, he, he's not a guy that has played a whole hell of a lot, um, you know, or at least played healthy. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I have, I've got questions all across the board on this one. I, I, and I, I do too. I, I think the questions are obviously, you know, warranted for sure. For the factors that you pointed out, and you, you start going through, right? 2017 was the big year where he was probably leading MVP candidate till he got hurt. Played 13 games till he blew out the knee. The following year, he played 11 games in 2018, played all 16 games in 2019, and then this past year, he played 12 games, but it was more like 10. You know, he's in and out of a couple games with injuries, so the injury history is is definitely warranted, but, you know, I'm going to be a little critical of Philadelphia's front office here because I think they they brought this whole thing on themselves. You know, you go back 2019, right? Wentz threw for 4,039 yards, highest of his career, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks, played all 16 games. They went nine and seven. Uh, they gave him a contract extension in the spring. He rewarded them. He played well. They won the division, made the playoffs to despite not having much for an offensive line. All of his receivers were banged up and injured and everything. And then you, so that's the season you had in 2019. So you know you need to get him some help receiving the ball, and you definitely need to get some help along the offensive line. What did they do this last year in the draft? First round pick, they take the one wide receiver nobody had on their board. Nobody had the guy on their board, Rieger. You you had guy Justin Jefferson you could have took. 
Justin freaking Jefferson, who had 1,000 yards, was phenomenal for the Vikings. You take some guy that couldn't even contribute, and then you know you need to get offensive line help. You take a freaking quarterback in the second round after you just gave this guy a huge extension the year before, and he gave you one of his better years and played all 16 games. To me, Philly botched this. I'm sorry. They botched this in the offseason. Their front office did. Look, did Wentz struggle last year? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but were there more factors? Yeah, Philly yeah. wasn't good. They weren't a good football team last yeah, year. Yeah. They weren't good running the ball. They weren't good along the offensive line. They weren't good defensively, and they weren't good coaching. They weren't a good team, period. Is that all on Wentz? No, because right. they, even even when Hurts came in, did he look good? Yeah. Did they win games? No, they still lost games. It's not like Hurts came in, and all of a sudden they went on this winning sure. streak and everything. The only reason they were alive at all is because that division was so terrible. If that division wasn't so terrible, Philly would have been tanking uh, from the halfway point of the year because they had no chance of doing anything. So to me, a lot of this goes on their front office as well because I think they brought on a lot of these problems themselves. You don't give a quarterback an extension. He has a good year. You make the playoffs, and then you turn around and draft a quarterback in, in the next two rounds. That doesn't make sense to me. It's not It's not the Packers situation where you have an aging Aaron Rodgers and you're trying to get somebody that can at least be a legit backup. This guy is 25, and you just gave him a boatload of guaranteed money. Yeah. You need to handle that better. I don't know. That, that's my opinion. I yeah. think Philly has some blame in this. Um, but, I mean, isn't that – but that's something that you see a lot in, in not just football, but you see that in basketball too. You see these front yeah. offices that have – they make questionable draft choices. They make questionable trades. They make questionable free agent moves. You know, and, and they have a lot more faith in certain players than other. I mean, like you're saying, that wide receiver that they take in the first round, nobody had him on their draft board. Nobody what had him was on the draft was, board. What did they see out of that guy that was like, he's worthy of a first round pick? Right. When first round picks are like of the utmost value in the NFL. Absolutely, big time. And I mean, and it, it's not like in basketball where later on in the draft for the better teams, it's kind of like you, yep. best, you draft yep. the best player available. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, maybe some teams draft based on need. And, and a lot of that just has to do what yeah. a front office philosophy yep. is. But like you said, I mean, a wide receiver and then a quarterback in the next round, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. Like, that's just questionable decision-making and just a, a denial belief in what you're trying to do or accomplish. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. I mean, look, it, Tampa traded up in this last draft, and they took the best lineman available, Tristan Wirfs, to protect Tom Brady. And that turned out pretty damn good for them. Yeah. Philly could have traded up. They didn't. They stayed pat, and they took a receiver nobody heard of, and then didn't take any lineman help. So interesting how they went about that. Um, I, I think Wentz is is poised possibly for a, a bounce back year. Just, you know, new change of scenery. I think the team's yeah. better. I think reunited with Frank Wright will, will be a shot. But he's also clearly he's got some stuff going on too. You know, I, I think it was always a problem for him that Foles was the one that won that Super Bowl. So he's always kind of had this quarterback shadow, even though he was the guy, you know, yeah. like Foles won the Super Bowl. You didn't. And then two years later, we drafted another guy. He comes in yeah. and plays like, it's always kind of been this thing where like, he's the guy, but not really. There's always like this other right. quarterback that it, I don't know, that's been a part of the mix. So I know that's my take on that one, but it, it we'll see what happens. If he can stay healthy, right? One yeah. of those big question marks. We'll see what happens. But we're quickly coming down uh, to the end of, of uh, you know, this week's episode. But before we wrap it up, Russell Wilson, of course, opened a little yeah. bit of a can of worms. Uh, I think it was beginning of last week when he was on the Dan Patrick show, kind of talking about he's sick of getting sacked. Uh, he's sick of running for his life, basically kind of calling out Seattle in that regard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, hey, um, there's been some back and forth there. You know, Seattle maybe not really happy this is playing out in the public, but uh, a lot of people are saying, hey, Russ, he's got a point here. Absolutely. You know, Mikey, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, well, kind of like Philadelphia, I, you know, Seattle created this. I okay? totally agree. So, yeah. You know, some nuts stats that I looked up and found out, I mean – Russell Wilson, he's coming into his 10th season, all with Seattle, obviously. Yeah, yep. He's been sacked 394 times since coming into the NFL. That's more than any other quarterback in that span. Any other quarterback. Six shy of 400 times. Do the math. 
Like yeah. he's getting sacked a, a lot. lot. Yeah, a lot. And and you know, I haven't broken down the year by year stats on how you know how how that breaks down. But you know, the offensive line has not good been good in Seattle. They've nope. spent nope. a lot of money on their defense, and their yep. defense has been you know suspect at best. Yeah. So rather than giving him what he needs on the offensive line. You know, you're putting money into a defense that's not very good. It's not like they have a number one defense in the NFL, and you could argue that okay, that's what's helping us win football games. But when you have somebody like uh, you know Russell Wilson taking snaps for you, and he's your franchise guy, um, you know you you better listen to him. And it's really kind of sad that he has to do this out in public. But I mean, you don't have to be you don't have to put that out there because you know it's already out there that he's been sacked this many times. Um, you know, you got to get him help. Um, you know, you, you can't, he's got, he's, you know, DK Metcalf, he's, he's got some, some good things going on there. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, you got to give this man the ability, some time to throw the football. Yep. Um, you know, you can't, his legs aren't going to be there forever. His ability to, to do things out of the pocket aren't going to be there forever. You got to be able to get this man some help. Otherwise this window is going to close up and I don't care how much money and how good your potential defense is. Unless you can put some points on the board and your defense isn't the one putting points on the board, yeah. then you're not going to be. And, you know, when you have my Cardinals coming up in, yeah. in that division, yep. uh, I don't. I would suspect that, the you know, depending on what the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is in San Francisco, um, you know, I can't imagine that the 49ers are going to be as bad as they were this last year again. Yeah, right. You've still I got agree. the Rams yeah. in that I conversation. Agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that division is no slouch. And not if you want to continue to be towards the top, if not the top team in that division, you've got to get this man some help. Because unlike anybody yeah. else in that division, you know, Russell Wilson's probably the one guy that's going to be an MVP candidate. Yeah, right? definitely. I mean, yep. so yep. I can't see you got to give this man some help. And as of February 19th, so just a few days ago, his contract became guaranteed. He so did. you're not yeah. you're not going to trade this guy away. No. Not to mention there would be riots in the streets in Seattle. Um right. you know, yeah, I, there I would just be. I yeah, man, like this yeah. is this is on Seattle. I, I yeah, I agree Mikey. I I think you made the great points, right? You go back through his career, you go back to the two Super Bowl years where they went back to back. Uh, the Legion of Boom defense, you know, best defense in the league. Marshawn Lynch running the ball well. They were really good running the ball. Their offensive line was still terrible. They were able to mask it and get around it. Russell Wilson it didn't have to do a whole lot with those teams. So when you have a poor offensive line, if you can run the ball well, you can mask some certain things. And defensively, just had to be a game manager. Then you had to pay all those dudes. So some of those guys left. You paid some guys. The defense wasn't quite as good, but still pretty solid. But you're still not investing in the O-line. Marshawn Lynch retires. Russ has got nobody to throw to. He's kind of starting to make things. The receivers you brought in are still via the draft. It's not like they went out and signed guys free agency-wise. The running backs they keep trying to bring in can't really block. They're, they're injury-prone. You know, Chris Carson is just one name. But it's been a, a whole revolving door of running backs the last five years for those guys. The guys can't stay healthy. They're trying to get that running game going. It's just not happening. For whatever reason, they do everything but invest in the offensive line. Look at this last year. They traded a boatload to go get Jamal Adams to safety. Again, defensive side of the ball. Uh, it was Jadanian, uh, excuse me, Clowney a couple years ago. They went out, they, they made the trade with Houston, gave him a bunch of money. Earlier this year, Carlos Dunlap, same thing. All of their big moves where they're tying up a bunch of money is on defense. Yeah. So if I'm Russ Wilson, yeah, I'm pissed because I've played nine years without any kind of an offensive line. And at the beginning of his career, they had one of the better offensive yes. line coaches in the league, which is why they were able to mask some of that stuff. When you've got a great offensive line coach... That guy was, you know, making gold out of... Magic happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, taking uh, some sand and turning it into a diamond, which is really tough to do. But uh, he's retired, they moved on, and that old line is just... You got to invest in it at some point in yeah. time. Uh, and I know some people are like, well, Russ hangs on to the ball a lot, so some of that's on him and so on and so forth. Yeah, he does. And we talked a little bit before we got on. You know who else does? Aaron Rodgers. You know who else does? Tom freaking Brady. Tom yeah. gets rid of the ball... But Tom will also, you know, hang on to the ball a long time, too. Aaron Rodgers does it. Nobody's ragging on him. I right. think Russ, Aaron, these guys understand in today's NFL, 
take a sack, take a 10-yard loss, don't turn the ball over. The, the turnovers are so valuable, and they can swing a game so much. Yeah. Today's league, that's what's being told. You'd rather have your quarterback take a sack than throw yeah. a pick any day and put your defense in a compromising situation. I agree with you. Uh, I think this is on Seattle. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this next year plays out. Because, yep. I, 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 like you said, that division's getting better, and this could go south. And if it yeah. starts going south, uh, who knows what's going to happen up there in the Pacific Northwest. Hey, Balls and Beards podcast. Yeah, episode 13. Episode 13 in the books. Want to thank you all, of course, for joining us again. We're on all those major uh, listening platforms out there, Spotify, the Anchor app, uh, Google Pocket Cast, all of the main ones. Please, um, you know, give us a follow, subscribe. Mikey, anything for the people before we No, wrap man, today? I hope everybody uh, has a good weekend. It's uh, good to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see you guys again this week. We'll have another new episode out. Balls and Beards epi- uh, podcast, episode 13 in the books. Have a good one, y'all. See ya, y'all.